welcome to RCA Radio, a podcast covering the latest news and challenges in regulatory, compliance, and quality assurance facing the pharmaceutical, medical device, and biologics industries. I'm your host, Erica Porcelli. In this episode, we're discussing outsourcing surveillance activities for both the medical device and pharmaceutical industries. Today, I'm joined by Steve Cox. Steve is one of RCA's senior consultants and has many years of experience implementing post-market surveillance activities as an internal function, as well as utilizing an outsourcing model. Steve, welcome. So today, Steve, I, I know we, you and I have had a lot of discussions about outsourcing you know, pharmacovigilance activities and things like that. And I was really hoping that you could maybe give us a historical background as well as an overview of outsourcing um, for the medical device and pharmaceutical industries. Sure, I'd be happy to do that. Um, so we'll start with the background. Uh, interestingly enough, outsourcing hasn't been recognized as a business strategy in the business world until about the late 1980s. In the 1990s, uh, outsourcing started with IT and customer service types of support functions like uh, outsourcing manufacturing, accounting, and those types of things. In the uh, early 2000s, outsourcing for life science companies began with the outsourcing of call centers, mainly typically for customer complaints in regards to intake, managing the logistics of getting samples back, triaging the information that we've re- that's been received from a customer or a patient, and then going about doing uh, pharmacovigilance or device vigilance tasks. So starting the process of thinking about is this a reportable event or not. In the mid-2000s, uh, we've had an evolution where business has started uh, looking at it more about as a development of a strategic partnership, and we'll talk more about that later. Because that's the phase that we're in, and that actually is the phase that we, uh, talk, we'll talk about as part of the RCA strategy. To give you a sense of how the size of this activity, global outsourcing uh, accounts for about $85 billion of U.S. And primarily, uh, the big hitters are IT support and contract manufacturing, but call centers makes up about 12% of the activity. In the last decade, there have been about 2.4 million jobs outsourced. So it's a obviously a big uh, impact to the labor market in the United States or other countries. In terms of what functions uh, inside the company are the primary focus of outsourcing and uh, this strategy that we'll talk about later, it really is about complaint management, medical information, pharmacovigilance, and device vigilance. But there are other functions that could be beneficial to them to use this strategy. Things like technical support, clinical trial support, and customer service. So why are specific functions targeted for outsourcing? Typically, these functions are ones that have high transaction activities, where there is a hierarchy inside of the the process workflow where you could differentiate between high complexity, low complexity, high risk, low risk types of activities. The focus is to to outsource portions of the workflow that are typically high volume, low complexity, 
that are repetitive and are typically lower risk to an outsourced third party. In general, this activity takes about two to three years to go live from with a dedicated staff uh, as you go through the various phases of preparing yourself to begin uh, the go live process to take the first call. This, the steps that we go through are typically due diligence, and we'll talk more about that later, planning, getting contracts between the two parties, doing process mapping and having a knowledge transfer between the two companies, and really working on process optimization to reflect the new arrangement and how you're going to run your business. Development of a governance process, establishing the controls that you need for that, how to manage that third party now doing a very critical function. Training, infrastructure, and infrastructure is a very important thing. It is call, it is the phones, it is the internet, it is many things that you have to consider. And then obviously planning for the go live and then communicating the fact that you're going live and switching your business model. Typically it takes about four years from the first time you begin to really reach a point of being in a stable environment in terms of basic outsourcing. Thank you, thank you. Uh, you know, I think for me personally, this has been uh, a bit of a learning curve and you and I started speaking, I guess, about six or eight months ago. And it's interesting all of the different things that go into this activity. You know, there, there are different ways to go about this, you know, folks managing it internally or outsourcing it. But why would companies outsource this activity versus moving some of the operations to offshoring or even expanding on their internal function in the U.S.? Okay, that's, that's a good question because um, offshoring and building up your organization is typically something that they think about first. But the reason companies really outsource is because, number one, they don't, in many cases, they don't have organizations or functions in low-cost regions. And that's really an important factor when you think about outsourcing to think about the cost benefits. They are also typically having difficulty recruiting personnel for key skill sets needed for the execution of the process, whether that be nurses, pharmacists, med techs, doctors because of the market demand or the, compet the competitiveness for those resources. Um, they're also, um, they're outsourcing functional activities because the skills are outside of their core competencies. And whether it be the not having state-of-the-art um, call centers or just in general not having the infrastructure needed to really keep up with the additional demand. And they're also really trying to typically leverage the high cost talent they have and improve their internal focus as they go through this. So those are the reasons why the, um, they go more to an outsourced environment because if they don't have a third party to take many of those demands, they don't really have, they uh, deflected to, they don't have to manage that part of the process. What would you say the value proposition is that contributes to companies choosing to outsource some of these key functions? Well, there's about uh, five or six key ones that I'll cover. The first all is uh, overall lower functional costs for critical resources and infrastructure and the investments you have to make to the infrastructure to keep up with the demands of 
regulators and your customers and your competitors. The other part that uh, people face as they try to think about the value proposition is um, business growth or regulatory compliance is being constrained and it really starts driving a lack of availability of key resources and skills because many of the regulators have really ramped up um, and customers have ramped out their expectations in terms of product safety. So they're going, there's going to be a lot more activity to deal with. But there's also a, new, a lot of new data sources that we haven't had in the past as social media becomes a player in this game of how people provide information to us about how to product issues. In addition, it really does focus on the leveraging of your high cost resources and moving to a less complex work and moving the less complex work elsewhere so that your high cost resources can really, really focus on the key decision making that has to happen. In addition, uh, there is a key point about leveraging core competencies and really part of this process that you have to go through as you outsource is really a introspective look at yourself and saying what am I really good at and what am I not really good at and can I get someone else to do some of these core competencies I'm not good at so that I can continue to grow and really move more towards a benchmarkable thought process. In many cases now with all these the spring up of um, establishment of startup companies or virtual companies many companies are really using outsourcing to actually begin their initial function of having product surveillance uh, done by other people so that they don't have to manage that part as being a virtual company. In, in many cases, the last part is uh, you can really improve your benchmarking or your meeting regulatory expectations by really outsourcing to someone that has is a subject matter expert in things that you're not good at. But you can also gain a lot of benefits in terms of improved cycle time and really being recognized as a best-in-class differentiator, which typically is, is, is felt by the customers who are interacting with your call centers. And the last part of it is as, as global pharma companies and global medical device companies continue to expand their regional support or its regional reach, you really have to think about how do I have to extend my regional support of those products into those regions so I get a much faster response time and on top of product issues that they really are experiencing. Based on the experience uh, that you have, and I know you've worked on this with a few different companies, what would you say are the benefits to moving to this type of model? You know, it's interesting that I'm going to answer this in a way that most people probably wouldn't think as far as the, 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 the first, the, the thing that's most important that I found is really it's not cost. Uh, cost is a, a clear factor. But one of the most important things you get out of outsourcing is really leveraging your high cost resources and their focus and really having them look at high value, high risk work and really moving the transactional low complexity work activity to others to do. And it really is about 
making my process as the most robust it can be by allowing my real talent to refocus. Cost reduction obviously is always a uh, key benefit and it really is about um, using low cost, lower cost regions, uh, some of the third world countries, and the difference in between the high cost resources you have. In many cases, there's a 10x differential between the cost of, say, a nurse in the United States that you use to man your call center versus a nurse in the Philippines, for as an example. Another key part of it is, is a, as I've mentioned before, is really improving the focus of the parent company on your core competencies. And really, you have to do a really tough introspective look at yourself in regards to what am I really good at and what brings value to the customer and what, then can, some, what can I go ask someone else to do that is more of an expert at this role. The, another, another key point is really improving the efficiency during, um, by using a third party. In many cases, when you engage, for example, a third party that, uh, that runs call centers for many other companies, they have a lot of expertise in terms of an infrastructure associated with doing the work that you would not typically as a parent company have. And so what you, what you really do is really start accessing that best-in-class competencies that you don't have yourself. In many cases, you can increase the overall process speed. And that may seem intuitive or not. It'd be counterintuitive to many people in thinking, well, I've added another handshake or another link in the chain. But what you really get is the benefit of that person's expertise and really their focus on taking non-value-added work out of what they're doing and how to do process improvement, which you typically, as a product manufacturer, don't see have time to do. And then um, there's always the ability to perform additional work that you, as a primary manufacturer, may not have had time to resource. Uh, for example, uh, and I'll speak for pers from personal experience, we never could do incremental quality checks of the work outcome from our call center and the transcription of the information. When we outsourced, we got the ability to have additional resources at a very low cost to do that work and it significantly improved the quality of the output that we had as a company. Yeah, I you know, I think you bring up a really good point with all of the benefits and I think the one that is has resonated with me the most is the first one that you made about allowing out, moving to an outsourcing model, allowing the company to focus on their core competencies and utilizing those resources in a way that is more cost effective for the company overall. So I, I just I thought that was interesting um, and wanted to comment on that. Uh, so as you've mentioned, there are many benefits, right? Um, but in your mind, what are some of the negatives that companies should consider as they begin the evaluation process? So there's a as, as there's always, there's about equal number of cons as there is pros when you, when you do this, especially when you're outsourcing such a critical function that uh, has a lot of regulatory implications. But it can really prove to be very beneficial. So, but I'll go through the cons. And one of the big uh, things that a company that's thinking about doing this that has to consider is the loss of direct control of the business process and decision making on 
critical functions, which naturally will increase risk if not done properly. And they really do have to, a company really has to figure out how much risk am I willing to take and how much control am I willing to give away? That is a, uh, that topic by itself really has to start with leadership, both of the function, but of also the senior leaders. What do they feel comfortable with? Outsourcing also creates a lot of pressure on the robustness of the supplier management controls. Drafting, maintaining, enforcing technical agreements, contracts, paying for performance. It is really important because the, the structure that you create through your supplier management controls becomes one of the key defense mechanisms you have when, you're, when a outsourced company wants to talk to a regulator about the controls that they have and the contracts and the governance process becomes extremely important. There's also a, um, always there, as, as always, when you deal with these types of giving away control, you always have the potential for a negative impact on the process outcome and the service and the perception of your customers. That's why um, I'm a big advocate of co-managing the process because then you keep more direct control over that and really um, have immediate feedback when something might not work, be working properly. Another big consideration is job loss internal to the company and the perceptions that that, that, that leaves with the remaining employees, that, that, that downsizing is possible. Am I the next one in line? Do I have to worry about my job? Management has to spend a lot of time assuring the, the, the employees that outsourcing is a benefit and creating some stability in, in, in their minds about their job. There also is a need for the outsourcing company to develop new skills. Some people may think that as a con, but learning to manage remote operations, typically uh, your, your low-cost region will be at least uh, 13 hours off of what your working time is. How do you manage that remote resource effectively? How do you influence people that you don't have direct control over, but they have control over your key, key process? Establishing governance, the ability to really build a partnering, partnering relationship with a third party. Not just a typical supplier relationship where you issue purchase orders and they fulfill those orders. This is, this is about your, the company's business and someone else's influence on the key outcomes from that business. Another key point is, especially relevant today, is really about the loss of intellectual property. The fact that you are giving this third party a big insight into your business that they could use inappropriately if, if they wanted to. Or you could also have a loss of HIPAA data, especially for uh, patient information. And this has to be well thought out in terms of how do I protect my key information, whether it be intellectual property or the patient information I'm getting from, 
from my customers and patients. And finally, developing the ability to really explain the relationship and controls to regulators. This is going to, uh, one of the cons is really, do I feel comfortable in explaining a third party relationship to a regulator? How am I going to convey to them strength in the controls and management of that relationship that I've created with this key information that is so fundamental to how I run my business and my customers. Yeah, I, I think, you know, just kind of hearing you outline both the pros and cons in the way that you have, it sounds like this is really a significant consideration that the company needs to go through as they evaluate the process. Absolutely. What is the change paradigm that companies will face when they go through an undertaking like outsourcing? So um, there's a number of rather transforming activities you have to go through. And the first one is really about the effort of process mapping at the level necessary to undertake, really highlighting key handoffs and critical decisions that actually occur in the workflow and really being transparent and understanding what really happens in your process. Many companies really don't engineer their process to this level. And when you have a third party you're gonna to ask to do the work, you really have to spend a lot, of, a lot more time engineering your process and thinking through what are the critical decisions and am I, am I willing to give that critical decision away or am I going to retain it? Also, if you really get a high class um, outsourcer, you really get involved in really re-engineering or doing process optimization based upon the feedback from that service supplier. The, if, in many cases, lots of them have black belts that actually focus in on processes because they're really interested in the efficiency that they do the work at and also the quality of the work they do to limit their liability. Another key change is really about how do you manage this cultural change that you're going to lead the company through? And it has to be really owned by the company and functional leadership and accepting the fact that I'm going to outsource and give away that control. It's really having gone through this at least once or twice. It's really interesting how the resistance to change even inside your internal company and the perception of outsourcing influences people's thinking in many cases in very irrational ways. So you have to be prepared for the resistance that will come. Supplier management is obviously a key paradigm. Um, it has to be a extremely robust process to manage this especially contractually and managing the relationship and having business reviews with your, with your new partner is really critical. And many people do not really, they, as they, I've said before, they really think of, of outsource or the supplier as a send them a purchase order, they deliver something back. This requires a lot more hands-on management of the relationship. Giving away control is a hard uh, mental model to get through. That it's okay to give someone else who's better at something than I am and, and really feeling that uh, comfortable with giving away control. So again, managing the relationship with the supplier, 
at a very more micro level than normal than with a supplier really will give you the confidence that it's okay to give away control. And then really establishing the appropriate oversight control over the third party, including having management reviews with this third party and really creating a partnership focused governance process where you have senior leaders on both sides really engaged and committed to making the relationship work. So based on your experience, how important is it to find the right partner? I'd say that it's probably, if it's not the number one, it, it probably is the number two critical step. And, and it goes far beyond you know, normal supplier selection and qualification. The way I would compare it to is really about the due diligence effort that is put forward when you're talking about acquiring another company. That is the level of effort to really identify a competent and progressive partner that has the necessary infrastructures, the skills, the competencies, the processes, the track record in the life science industry to know that you're engaging someone that you can trust. And um, I don't want to over reinforce this, but I guess putting again in perspective, due diligence for acquisitions is really the way I look at this. Yeah, yeah, I think it is really important. I mean, you know, I think in most cases finding the right partner is important, but I think in this one it, it requires a little bit extra focus and attention um, based on what you've described. So one area that we have not touched on is the regulatory and notified bodies view and acceptance of outsourcing. Do you have any thoughts that you could share in this area? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, having lived in a position where I've managed an outsourced process, it really, you have to develop a proactive strategy of how you're going to manage subsequent audits and clearly define the communication of how you're going to explain to a regulator or a notified body about the due diligence you've gone through. How have, how have you qualified the su supplier? What's the government governance and controls that you're really applying to make sure you maintain control, appropriate control over this, and really focusing in on things like cycle times, accuracy, process improvement, talking about oversight and governance, um, metrics, the quality assurance of the outcome. How are you monitoring that? It, it's interesting because I actually think that in many cases, the notified bodies have been more aggressive in my experience than regulators have been in regards to pushing on this because it's really about, especially for in a device world, where they're with the ISO regulation is more process focused. So they're really focusing on the process. The other part of the regulatory equation is really about notifying and getting approval from the regulator uh, as part of your certification with your notified body that you are switching to a different model. You're changing your business and they typically require at least three months notification prior to you being allowed to do that and you really need to seek their approval and acknowledgement that you do it but as a result of that you can expect it to be a highlighted item during the next regulatory uh, inspection. 
So Steve, I, I really, I know we're coming up on the end of our time and I, I really wanna thank you for taking the time to provide us with your insight this morning. It's my pleasure. To learn more about outsourcing your surveillance activities, please visit our website at www.rcainc.com. There we do have a case study that we've recently published as well as an overview of the services that RCA can provide. Thank you to our listeners for tuning into this episode of RCA Radio and be sure to subscribe to be the first to know when we upload a new episode. Thank you everybody.